0: Hello and welcome to episode 64 of Just Keep Writing,
1: a podcast for writers, by writers, to keep
0: you writing. I'm Marshall. I'm Nick. I'm Brent. And I'm Will. And with us for this second episode of our Pride episodes for this month is my wife, Katie. Welcome to the show, my dear. How are you?
2: Pretty good. Thanks for
3: having (laughs) me.
0: Hi,
2: Katie. I'm so excited you're here. Um, So... Before we start, Marshall, do you want to tell everyone what it's about, or do you want me to just go right in?
0: I, once again, am going into an episode fairly blind, and I'm going to blame Will for this because this was his idea for an episode. My wife has never podcasted before, and um, I'm excited to have her on the show, but I'm going to turn over to Will because he has a very clear, I imagine, clear idea of what is going to happen in this episode, and I'm just excited to have all of us together, and I can't wait to actually see all of you in, in real life soon as well so that's gonna be exciting
2: me too uh so how we're gonna do this is i want everyone just to press their hand button uh when you're ready for a question so the reason i wanted to do this episode was because of a conversation i had with a couple of my friends who actually listened to the podcast before and they mentioned about marshall and you katie having a transgendered son and how lovingly um Marshall talked about it, even though it was it was brief at that point. And they sent me messages of saying it was really encouraging. And they felt that it was the first time, you know, that they really heard a parent be so encouraging from someone like kind of connected to me. So in this whole episode, I want to talk about not just what it was like about you know the things that you went through with you know raising um your son but also how it's going to correlate back to writing and also storytelling so those are kind of the things that we're going to cover throughout this whole entire episode so my first thing is for katie and then marshall because i really think there's going to be differences the way a mother views it and a father views it because you're two different people, and also, you know, uh, from very specific genders. Especially growing up, like when we grew up, there was just two genders. There wasn't there wasn't the language per se, or the language in popular culture to talk about gender queer, uh, trans. You know, uh, was happening obviously because it's been happening for generations. But it also there wasn't a positivity behind it so these are some of the things that we're going to cover so my first question Katie is I want you to describe in three words what it is like to raise a trans son
4: three words well and they don't have Um, they don't have to be
0: like connected it's just three words
4: Uh, beautiful can eye opening be one word yep that's one (laughs) Um, and enlightening I think I, I think those would be three good words.
2: Great. so I want to talk I want to talk about those words before we get to Marshall. You said beautiful. you know, what made you think of that word off the top of your head?
4: Um it's just been really beautiful to see him like feel more himself and to be able to um, you know surround him with love so he can feel good about himself and who he is truly and always has been, you know, but um, so I think it's been beautiful to, to see that. I, I don't even really want to say transformation, but see that like growth or blooming in him, like security and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. It's, I think beautiful too, to, to, for me to watch how my kids interact with each other and how supportive and loving they are to each other, you know, with everything,
2: but, but with this specifically. And when you say eye opening, talk Mm -hmm. to me about that.
4: Um, Eye opening in a, in a sort of like a, a broader sense, not that I, the way I started to think about gender, I I already knew. I mean, that trans and non-binary, um, and you know, the whole spectrum of people exist, But to think about gender in a different way and how I relate to gender as well, and how the world looking at a person can make it hard to express yourself. Um, so, so eye opening in a way that like I want to try to. I don't know how to describe it really, but not to, I want to try to open other people's eyes too to that people's self-expression is, doesn't have anything to do with you, but you can do a lot by supporting loving and still, you know, being there for those people.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And enlightening. Talk to me about that.
4: Um, I think I used enlightening because for me, it, I I have done a lot of introspective thinking about, you know, the world and the world I grew up in. And had we had the language we have now, I think my growing up would have been a lot different too. And also my friends and and things. So um, I'm just really glad that we have this new language or new, I don't really like labels, but, you know, new labels for people to be able to express themselves with better.
2: Absolutely. Uh, so Marshall, that, that the same question goes for you, three words.
0: Yeah. Uh, so I'm gonna start with, I have one kind of ne- one with a negative connotation on it, but I have an explanation behind it, but um, I'm also gonna say, um, I'm gonna say enlightening for sure. Cause that was a big one for me, patience and frustrating. So, let's go with your first word. Uh, similar to what Katie said, honestly like I I mean if you think about and I mean, I know Will, you're about my age, the 90s were brutal. I mean, in in growing up, like the way people spoke, especially when it had to do with queer culture and stuff like that coming off of the 80s, you know, AIDS epidemic, all that kind of stuff, um, it was it was rough. And to be, and I knew folks who were queer, but at the same time, we didn't have, like, like, like she said, we don't, we didn't have that language and, you know, I'm, high school in the, in the nineties were, that's the way people lashed out. And I'm, in, I think back and I cringe every time I think about how I behaved, how my friends behaved um, and stuff like that around this kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, it, for me, it was about moving past that and also enlightening in that I really would like to, to make sure people can be supportive if they want to be, you know? And that was the, that was the big thing for me.
2: And, uh, patience.
0: When I say, oh, patience. Yeah. Boy, I, (laughs) I'm not the most patient person in the world when it comes to, uh, behavior or when things bug me, I'm a little OCD about certain things and stuff like that. And I really had to kind of, and I'm struggling still every day. Like Katie and I have these conversations all the time about my patience level with my children. I mean, especially Zo, And I mentioned on the last episode, you know, I worry about how anxious he is and how um, and how I want him to be able to feel confident moving through the world. Right. And so for me, that was, um, me wrestling with my own level of patience is really what I'm referring to. Um, but also, Zoe has shown an incredible amount of patience with family, with uh, friends who constantly use the wrong pronouns or wrong name, or, you know, when our parents, especially in the beginning, said, Oh, how are the girls doing? Or people I haven't seen in a while. How how are the girls doing? And that was really that that frustrated me. But he never he never came to us later and was like, you know, I was really upset when so and so said this, this, and this and and didn't use the right pronouns. He is incredibly patient with people and very loving to people. And so I'm trying to learn something from him because um he's got more patience than I do. I'd be I'd be hollering at some of these people, but that's just me. <clears throat> and the last one
2: is frustrating.
0: Yeah. Um, I have, it's the, I feel like it's the opposite of the patience part. Like I'm incredibly frustrated with my community. I'm very, I'm frustrated with my family. I'm frustrated with the people who just don't get it, refuse to get it and just can't seem to get over whatever's going on for them to support someone who they say they love. Right. And so that is, me, is incredibly frustrating. I have very little patience for it now. Um, now it's like it's like alarms going off in my head when somebody uses the wrong pronoun. Now um, with Zoe, and it's 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 frustrating, and and it's more and it's frustrating to know that he's gonna have to deal with all this stuff on his own at some point too. You know, and so that is I'm projecting a little bit onto him in that instance, but I don't know. I have a lot of frustration, and it's not that. You know, he's where he needs to be, and and we're supporting him. But at the same time, it's the just general frustration with kind of society and, and how backwards things are right now. And people are, are already trying to get legislation to, you know, reverse some of the stuff that we, that the queer community have fought for for all this time. Right. And so it's just, it's stuff like that that is incredibly frustrating for me. So that's why I said that. A hundred percent.
2: So before we, d- I want to also go into the past of when Zoe was growing up. But first, I want to ask a very um, relevant question. On June 1st, Governor DeSantis from Florida passed uh, a law banning uh, trans girls from playing sports. When you hear stuff, and you see laws being passed, what how does that use parents make you feel and what are your thoughts about the political the two different political pathways when it comes to transgender people i
0: to go first uh, sure good
4: um so so it makes me feel um uh, furious um, and, uh, honestly, pretty hateful towards some of those people who just, you know, are thinly veiling these transphobic laws with, you know, trying to protect women's sports bullshit, you know, when they're just hateful people who are transphobic, you know, and I, um, I get super angry. I get, I am also grateful that we live in California, but, um, but I feel for the families who, especially like our, you know, our kids don't really play sports. So as a family, we're not really dealing with that, but for our country and, and all these kids, some people need sports to like feel fulfilled and to not be able to do that or to have to go through some sort of invasive physical to prove yourself it's ridiculous and it's um infuriating uh i don't remember the rest of the question well
2: <laughs> no i th- i think that really answers it it's okay. it's really it was really a question of like you know how do you feel about those laws especially when you have two political parties oh yeah where one really tries to pass laws to protect um trans children and then you have another party who is uh coming out with all of these um, anti-trans laws. Mm -hmm. So Marshall, same question for you.
0: Yeah. I I second what she said. First of all, Um, I'm so glad most days I don't live in Florida (laughs) or places that are really trying to push for these things. But at the same time, that was the sticking point at the beginning of uh, guiding Zoe to become what he's becoming is because that was the sticking point for, the people who really love our kid, but they disagree that um, people should be, and I'm talking family here, right? Um, That really disagree with um, trans folks competing in sports. That
4: was a year later.
0: And it was, yeah, it was, yeah, it was about a year later. But to see the Facebook posts from the community I live in, the friends that I uh, hang out with and the family that I have, posting those things and some still are posting those things um it's incredibly frustrating um and and we you know our kids like like Katie said don't play sports now right. but you know if if Zo decides to play sports later this is 100% something that people are so afraid of that Zo's going to come into a sport and like I don't know, make it unfair somehow, like the logic, the science, none of it lines up. And it's just these people, like you said, the political parties, everything's political. Right. Um, And just trying to get something you don't understand out of your line of sight is really what I feel like these laws are trying to do.
4: Can I add something?
3: Yeah, of course.
4: Uh, um, You know, the other thing about like this small community is, I mean, our kids are young and, and don't play sports, but there, there are trans girls in our community who do play sports. And, um, I don't think that they've, because of COVID and stuff and their age ranges, it hasn't come to a head yet, um, here. And, uh, you know, this, the laws, uh, here will allow them to play with on the teams they want to play on. But, um, but I've been like trying to Work with the district or talk to the district about getting our teachers too, but our coaches, um, who are basically volunteers, who get like a small stipend, um, like l- roped into the trainings that I'm in- trying to encourage for um, you know b- gender spectrum type trainings and getting teachers and school staff and and hopefully coaches soon um, into this, so they. So they actually one know what the law is that they have to allow, and two, so they don't damage kids when they are totally transphobic or something, you know.
0: And and on that note, we have had gender trainings before in the in the district in the school district. So I'm a teacher in the district, and but only because and I've well, yeah. And so Katie pushes it, right? They finally they they put a training out there, and the number of people trying to get out of it. The majority of them were coaches. This is a mandatory training. There's only two genders. I don't have to go to this. And it's like, how are you a coach to students, to kids, to teenagers, right? Um, It's heartbreaking knowing those students. Like I said, I do run a club that supports these kids, and I know where they are. And I know the the people they go to for the support. And some of them look up to these coaches. And it breaks my heart knowing that they're not going to be supported if they decide to to, to pursue that sport. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. So my
2: next question is, let's talk about Zoe's journey. Mm -hmm. When did you, and at what age was Zoe? Or first of let's go back. When did you start to see like, Hey, (laughs) hmm, this might be something. And also when, how old was Zoe? When Zoe told you, these are the, this is how I feel. And these are the pronouns that I want to use.
0: Well, one of the, one of the big ones for me was, uh, cause we always let the kids choose their themes for their birthday parties and mm-hmm. they were, they were really into some of the Disney shows. And so wanted a Jake in the Neverland part, Jake in the Neverland pirates party. And he wanted to be Jake. And I said, well, why do you want to be Jake dude? You know? And he goes, Oh, I want to be a cool boy. And the fact that he said, and he would say that oh. often, like often I want to be a cool boy and I'm like all right be a cool boy dress you know you can be Jake and he rocked that outfit it was amazing but that was those moments and him saying I want to be a cool boy was kind of in the back of my mind like interesting okay kind of thing and and how old was though when he said that um
4: that might have been his third or fourth yeah
0: four maybe
4: yeah, but and we all uh, i uh I wanna say even like when he was like two, uh he would always like well, he he talked so funny then, but um yeah. but he would always be pretending in their all their pretend games, he was always a boy. And there was something I don't remember what he was doing, but but after they went to bed one night and I think he was like two or three, we I said to Marsh, I said I said I, I you know obviously he's really young but I, I think he like i think he might grow up and be queer or something you know because he just yeah there was something that he kept doing and then as he got older he um would i mean he always like even his friends when he told his friends they were like oh yeah of course you always play the dad or yeah you know when we play make believe <laughs> or he had this game he used to do like nonstop. he'd get home from school and he'd say what was the guy's name? It was like, uh I can't remember Johnny or something. Anyway, like, he yeah. was a teenage boy and he was being recorded. Like, oh, like right. it was like a TV show, like a live, not that he'd ever he, seen. The, yeah, he was pretending that he was, he was, he was yeah. a teenage boy and he was on TV. And so I had to call him that name because he was on TV and couldn't have the cameras know right. that he was, you know.
2: Forgot about that.
4: Not really that name <laughs> and stuff. And he used to, like, it would go on all day. And then he started to get weird about like, like taking a shower and, I, and cause the cameras and I would be like, okay, the ca- cameras aren't allowed in the bathroom then. Right. But they're like not yeah. even there they're imaginary, but like, yeah. and so then he was like, Oh, okay, cool.
0: And then the people started getting married um, and wanting the kids to be oh, yeah. flower girls.
4: It was fine. The first
0: time. and okay. It was okay. The first time, but I think getting him into that dress the second for time nice for my back. sister's wedding was right. That was right before. Was the, did they get right? married in 2018?
4: February, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that, so, so I we had already been buying like more boyish clothes for Zoe. because wore, that's what he wanted. He wore button ups and tennis shoes and jeans and stuff all the time. But um, Janai wanted him to be in the wedding, and we were like, oh, of course, of course, they'll be in the wedding." And you know, he was like, "Do I have to wear this dress? I wish I could be a, the ring bearer." And I said, Oh, but your cousin, Sean's a ring bearer. It's just a day. I, I, I Like, and it was a struggle and we didn't, you know, obviously we yeah. didn't know then or we would have said, no, we'll get you a suit or something, you know? But, um, but anyway, so he wore the dress and then as soon as the wedding was over, I had to change the clothes to put him in. Right. Cause he couldn't, you know, and looking at those pictures, like it's a little boy in a dress. Like it just like, doesn't yeah. even read like any other way really to me anymore. But um yeah so that was kind of rough I actually feel really guilty about that I wish I would have been a little more perceptive at that point and like realized what was going on then because it was about it was in May 2018 it
0: was a few months later
4: that Mm -hmm. he so the so how he told us was I was driving uh I think to the grocery store with the kids in the car and they were in the back seat and he was asking a question about something about you I think and then um he said, like, so sadly, I just wish I would be a boy when I grew up. And I was like, what, babe? And he was like, I just wish I could grow up to be a boy. And he was so sad. And I was like, this is it. Like, obviously, like, why didn't I realize? And I was like, well, babe, like, you know, you, you can. And he was like, what do you mean? And I was like, we can, you already have all the clothes. Like, we can <laughs> cut your hair. And you can be a boy, you'll look just like a boy. And he was like, Well, what about like when I grow up? Will I have a beard and stuff? And I said, There's medicine for that. Like you can, you can do that. Like if you want, that's your choice. And he goes, Do people do that? And I said, Yeah, (laughs) people do that. People do that. And he said, Well, will people know? Will my friends still know who I am if I cut my hair? And I said, Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. they're not going to forget you. So I made him a haircut appointment. We got his haircut. And then the day, so we got his haircut on the night of the school open house, which was at the end of the year. And he loved his haircut. Um, and he was really excited. We went and we saw his friends. They all recognized him um and so he was very happy and the next morning before school he said mom i want you to call me a boy and i said cuz i hadn't brought up pronouns or anything yet cuz he hadn't so i was sort of and i said uh, what does that mean you want me to call you a boy and he, he said you know like you we meet people and you say this is my son you say he you say you know you call me he and i said okay and he and i said i said oh, that's that's fine he said tell my teacher like five minutes before school. Yeah, it was I remember. And I was like, So I, I said, we could do it like slow, and like then you go back next year because there was like two weeks yeah, left. Yeah, we of were almost done with school. I said you could go back next year and be all fresh new. And he goes, No, I want you to tell my teacher now. And I said, Okay. And luckily I, I'm fr- I was friends with the teacher. I texted her. She's amazing. She had the name changed to Zoe on all his boxes by the time we got to class. She's calling him. him. Didn't even like he told his friends, you know, at school there was no issue. There was issue with p- not his friends a couple times, but not like a huge issue or anything. And and the the teacher and the school was uh, super supportive of that. So that that, was really per- that nice.
0: particular site, though, too, like yeah, I the think,
4: younger it's it's a little. Well, yeah. it, I'm pretty involved in the clubs and stuff, so right. Um, it's, it's a little easier. And because Marshall's in the district, I've been able to handpick every teacher he's had, which has been nice. <laughs> that yeah, That's going to stop soon because of middle school, it doesn't happen. But anyway, so, so yeah, that's how we, and then, and, but the thing I realized is I told him, yeah, you can, you know, okay, we'll call you he, I, the haircut, all of that happened while Marshall was at work. And so he just came home and I was like, so, we got to call Zoe him. And you know, this is this. And, and I didn't even like, I don't, I, I always just think it's listen, one of my friends commented. Well, like, didn't, did you talk to Marshall about it first? And I was like, God, <laughs> <you imagine>? like <laughs> I didn't, but like I knew I didn't have to <laughs> right. like, so that that yeah. was
0: <clears throat> nice. And I just remember that I honestly, and part of that story to just to wrap up that particular story is the haircut I noticed immediately yeah
4: immediate like change. when
0: he came home with the haircut it was like a new a, just a happier mm-hmm. person I was looking at and I could tell that was like the impetus for where we are now and I just mm-hmm. was you know and of course you know we had the conversation and of and you know of course like I told you guys last time there was no issues at all we went forward and and made it made it happen for him because that's what he needed. And still needs. So, anyway. That's who he is. is.
2: So, I want to play devil's advocate for a minute. Mm-hmm. When you have people – I know, Nick, you're so surprised. Um, <laughs> when you have people say, well, you know, you're – and have you. This might be something people have already said. When they say, well, you know, you're taking it too far. Mm-hmm. You're letting him, you know, dictate to you instead of trying to work with him or you are just putting ideas into his head, you know, about that. It's okay. Mm -hmm. What would you say to someone? Or if you've had to experience that, what, what is your
0: response to that? If I go first, Mm -hmm. mine up and, and, you know, I've had that. Oh, he's so, you know, your kid's so young. It's so this, so that. And I said, and we, when your kid comes to you and says they need a thing, you, you do the thing, right? You make sure that they're happy. You make sure that they can live to be who they want to be. Right? So how is this any different? I'm not going to tell my kid who's honestly coming to me and telling me what he needs and how he feels and what he needs from us. I'm never going to tell him no. Like that, that, that is not even a thing and i was telling this story to a buddy of mine a couple days ago um i know someone else who has a trans kid and the dad is not on the same page and not supportive and i know this person fairly well and i couldn't imagine like resenting my kid or being or trying to get them to change in some way to fit something you know, some idea that I had for them, you know, but, and so I usually just explain that. I said, well, I'm not going to tell my kid that he can't be who he needs, who he is. So that's my response. Always.
4: I've had to have that conversation. Well, how do you know, you just believe him, you just know, just tell him, you know, tell him that's not how it is. And I, and I've said, well, that is how it is. This is real. And, you know, Years ago, um, there weren't very many left-handed people because kids were, you know, corporally punished in schools for being left-handed. When you allow a thing and when your society accepts something, there's going to be more kids. It's not trendy. It's because they know they can go to their parents and say, or they've seen other people like that. So it's not a trend. It's not a phase, you know. Gender is fluid. And, it, and it's, it's also a concept that we've created just to fit people into boxes. So you know you're right-handed or left-handed. You know, I knew, a lot of people know, when they're two, three, four years old, I'm a girl. And that's my body. And that's also how I feel inside. I'm a girl. But when your body doesn't match, you can still be the other thing.
0: And then, you know, just to extend the the example you put out, there are left-handed people, there are right-handed people, but there's also people that are ambidextrous. Right. And so it's like, all right, so, you know, it's, it's that kind of thing in my opinion too. It's like it, we have to get past like this archaic idea of how people should be and just let people be who they feel and who they want to be.
4: And it's sort of like if you're so – Tied up and what you envision for your child that you can't accept. Like that's not what they envision. Right. I, I, I just, that, that part, I don't understand actually.
0: Well, I've never been able to understand how people can <laughs> but, move through the world and be like, this is how everybody should be.
2: Yeah. This is
0: how society should be. And I'm going to be mad and I'm going to do something about it now because these, these people are trying to, marry, these guys are trying to marry other guys and I don't like that. So I'm going to do something about it. I could not imagine moving through the world and telling other people how to live their lives in that way. It's not my, it's not my job. It's not my, I don't have permission to do that. It's not, and it's not okay. You know, Nicholas? Absolutely. Nick, you have a question?
1: Yeah, a little bit. Uh I just, Marshall, something you said really caught my attention, um, you know, about Zoe and how you just said if, if my child needs something, I'm going to do it for them. And I just wanted to kind of touch on that and how it, – it as a parent, how important that is, right? And, mm-hmm. and K- Katie, you brought up the example of left-handed people. And I was thinking, I was like, well, if my kid says they can't read, like do I believe him or do I like just yacht them or do I go get their eyesight checked? Do I go get them checked right. for like dyslexia and things like that, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, I, you know, to me, like – Hearing your guys' story and it's just like, damn, like you guys didn't even question anything. You were mm-hmm. like, this is what my kid needs right now. And this is what I'm going to do. And I just want to say how pressed I am with that. Um, because, you know, as a parent, sometimes it's hard, uh, mm-hmm. to, to recognize that. And, and obviously you see it in, in children as they become teenagers of, you know, parents that really didn't give them that type of attention at times, mm-hmm. um, to understanding their needs. So. Just wanna
0: and just and, 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 don't, and don't get me wrong, Nick. I tell my kids no all the time. Right? Oh, I <laughs> like, oh, I know. I know. Like What we're talking about? Can I have another popsicle? No, you cannot. You know <laughs> that kind of stuff. But it's like you had two ice cream sandwiches, not a third. Yeah, like, <laughs> you, you're done now. But what I what what I think is interesting, though, Nick, is there are so many parents and I parents that I know that I I know that their kids are probably queer and they will never ever come out to their parents. I have, I have right. two, three in my mind right now, and a couple who are trying to have these conversations with their parents and have gotten nowhere. And one of them I can't help right now, and it's incredibly frustrating because they are failing all their classes and giving up on things because they don't have the support that they need. And right. I, I can only do so much for those people, those students, those of mine, right? Um, so...
1: Yeah. And, and not to, I recognize Brent as well. Your, your upbringing that we talked about on our last episode, um, as well, we, you know, we recognize the challenges and, you know, what you brought up too. So, you know, if you guys didn't catch that, listen to that last episode as well
2: to kind of hear a little bit about Brent's story. And there's more to come from Brent <laughs> in our next episode.
0: Oh yeah. Can't wait for that one.
2: <laughs> so my question is, I think it's also, um, important what Nick just said about what you two are doing about you just it is you readily accepted it right and you've had queer people in your family and friends and so you know it it's like life built you this um like coming of right being part of the community but my next question and this is where it's going to tie into Narratives, storytelling, and writing. When you were younger, Katie, mm-hmm. what was the narrative for people who were trans for you?
4: When I was young, I, I, for me, there was no, like, I didn't know about trans people until I was a, probably a teen. Oh my. You know, ne- nearly a young adult, probably so I hadn't, well, I guess I didn't think of it this way. I mean, so my, my aunt was a big Rocky horror. So that was probably my first experience with any sort of, you know, trans stuff or gender fluid stuff in, in media was probably Rocky horror picture show. Um, And I think I was like 12 maybe. So, so I guess I was younger, but I maybe didn't just I didn't think about it that much,
2: honestly. And Marshall, what was the narrative that you grew up with about trans people, if any?
0: Um, I'd say it's about the same. Mostly it was more about, I think the narrative when I was in high school, especially, um, and maybe even before, was more about cross-dressing, not so much as transitioning to another gender. Does that make sense? So it was more just like, Oh, this, Mm -hmm. you know, this group of people likes to dress as women and, you know, drag shows and stuff like that. And I, you know, I never had a problem with any of that stuff ever. Right. But that was as much about being trans as I kind of knew, not thinking back on it. You know what I mean? Because it, again, you know, I mean, if you watch, (laughs) if you watch nineties television, it is brutally, brutally homophobic um, in the jokes, especially sitcoms and stuff. Um, and it's hard to watch, you know, like early episodes of friends, for example, they just had their damn reunion the other day. And, you know, it's really interesting to think back on those early episodes and like, you know, Ross's wife being gay and how like, that was a butt of a joke and stuff like that. Like, um, but yeah, as far as trans goes, I really didn't know much, much at all outside of, um, what I already said. So I can rant more and more about nineties pop culture, but I won't.
2: (laughs) I'm, sh- I'm sure you could. <laughs> so, I actually want to turn this over to Nick and Brent real quick. So, Nick, what was the narrative that you grew up with about trans people, if any?
1: Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm gonna follow along with Katie said, and you know, in Marshall, it was more about cross dressing and that being a joke um, than anything, and how some people were just weird. Um, and I had to, you know, I get kind of give credit to my mom a little bit. Like, as weird as other people were making it, like when you, you ask the question, "Well, why do they do it?" You know, and you know, my mom was just like, "Well, that's just something some people like to do, and sometimes they do it all the time." And we kind of left it at that. And I don't know if my mom had much knowledge of it, so it was kind of like in our house, we didn't like use that as a joke so much, which was nice because now, like. You know, later down the road, like you know, going back to the nineties culture and like what we were all exposed to, like it could have been a lot worse. Um, for me and my my current attainment and knowledge and tra- and changing my mindset on things,
2: right? So, yeah. And Brent, what was it? What was the narrative for you growing up?
3: <sighs> okay, so um, I I have to kind of relate a story to explain this. Um, so it was very much for um. Like kind of like what Nick was saying, it was sort of like just considered weird, strange with, you know, what other people did. But a lot of that changed for me based on this one incident that happened to me in, um, in sixth grade, actually. So uh, I guess I'll have to set up the story. So in sixth grade, I lived in Panama and um, the military base, the school was outside of the military base. So we kind of like were... In it's big school, fenced off, everything, whatever, right? So one day after school, it's like way after school, kids are hanging out, waiting for the after school bus to take us home. And this um, trans sex worker, she comes running up to the fence where we're all playing. And she's like hollering and just like banging on the fence. And, and I didn't understand Spanish, but some of the other people did. And so they were translating. It was like, she needs help. She said, two guys are after her and they're trying to kill her. And so we have to like rush and find the janitor and we we're like, you gotta help her, you gotta help her. And the you know, the janitor was like, Well, I can't let her on to the school property because it's, you know, it's a it's considered US government. So we had to like sit there and we're talking to her, we're trying to calm her down, and we stayed there until like the police came and you know, made sure she was okay. But basically they didn't know she was trans. And so they like kind of like two of the two guys she was with, they know she was trans. They kind of like lost their craft. And for me, at least it forevermore after that, it added a layer of humanity to trans people for me that I don't think I may not have had without that incident. So I guess for me, like my personal narrative from that point forward, never matched up with the narrative. In media or whatever else around me at that time, I just always held to that moment. I was like, no, that was a person, and they were they were in a horrible situation that they didn't deserve to be in. And um, yeah, so I guess I guess my narr- my own personal narrative, has always been so much different from the rest of popular culture with me growing up because of that one incident. I guess.
2: So then I'm going to follow up with that question: What was then the narrative of what you were growing Uh-oh. up? That Four these people are wrong,
3: people. they're abominations, they're going to hell, they're full of sin, they need Jesus, all of basically anything you could pick up with sudden evangelical bullshit, and and I think for me too, it was it was easy for me to reject that because of that one incident, one, but also two, because so much of that was the exact same thing they said about me and I, and they didn't know they were saying it about me. And I was like, I'm a person and there's nothing, you know, I mean, yeah. So yeah, I guess don't want to get too far off branch, but yeah, that, that's kind of what, um that's what it was.
2: Yeah. For me, um, I knew what transgender was early on. And I think it was because I was just super perceptive of even who I was very young. I have older sisters, so I would ask them stuff all the time and they were patient and lovely about everything. But I noticed how being trans was like the worst of the worst, right? Like it's one thing if you're gay, but then if you're trans, then there's something even more wrong with you. Mm -hmm. And I had such a hard time with that because even in high school and going to the places I went, I knew people who were trans and I I never felt like, I personally, just like Brent, I was like, all I saw were people and people are complex. And I think my whole philosophy was always ingrained in me, you know, when people aren't hurting someone or themselves, then there's nothing wrong. You judge people by how they treat others. Are they kind? Are they good people? But I saw the narrative that was out there. Yeah. And I think I was also hypersensitive to it because I also grew up feeling really isolated and different. And, you know, I mean, the word faggot was called to me so much uh, since I was three that I just felt like it was my name at one point.
0: Every, you know? That was one of my one of the nicknames, one of the things people call me and I'm, I'm talking from third grade to college and it's just yeah. like, okay, like I get it. I guess that you're somehow upset with me about something and you think that's a thing that you need to call me. But like, I I couldn't imagine if I was, I was upset and I'm not gay. You know what I mean? Like, and, and you know, it was that the N word and everything else. It's like, just You're just picking the worst things to call somebody, you know?
2: Yeah. So now that we got through like the narrative, what it was like for all of us growing up and what we thought about it, I want to talk about now and the narratives that are out there now and the stories that you want to give Zoe and that you think that transgender kids and teenagers and then going into adults, you know, what um are you surrounding zoe with as far as literature and things that are exposing what have you read that really touched you and let's start there
4: so i don't know where to start should i start with zoe's books
0: or well uh, <laughs> uh, you know my i i did prep my wife just a little bit um she has a whole <laughs> list of I wrote stuff down here. all
4: the books <laughs> that i asked the kids what their favorite books with queer characters are um because i haven't read all the books that they have read um i've read some of them but uh, let me start with mine first i wrote down some too because i have bad memory but will you recommended cemetery boys to me and that book was like probably probably one of my favorite books i read this this past year um i cried in it it was beautifully done and like it was a story that i hadn't read before you know what i mean ever, Mm -hmm. and i loved it um a couple another one actually that i've read that the kids also have read it's a graphic novel the deep blue i don't know if you're familiar with it but it's it's wonderful um Mm -hmm. i really enjoyed that and um zoe really likes graphic novels too so so obviously i go and like try to make sure to find lots of books that have like queer characters or characters of color so that they're surrounded with the real world (laughs) like of course most of them are like fantasy but um so some of the graphic novels that they said were their favorite were witch boy um the prince and the dressmaker the backstagers moonstruck um joe which i didn't i got that for rowan i think i think Um, so yeah and but she said it i said oh i didn't know that was queer characters she's like yeah yeah it is it's like a retelling of um Of um, what am I going to blank on? The four sisters: Amy, Joe, Beth.
0: Four sisters. I'm not familiar. Will have you read that one? Do you know?
4: You guys all know Little Women. Little Women. Thank you. Yeah, it's a retelling of Little Women um, in a graphic novel form. And then Magnus Chase is one that Rowan really likes. She said there's a non-binary character in there that's cool. So I do definitely try to like find good representation for them. Other books that I've liked binti there was like a, a small character in there that um was trans and um giddy in the ninth is kind of mm-hmm. kind of queer it wasn't like blatant i didn't think but
0: yeah we've talked about that on the show several <laughs> times where it's like it's there but it's more about just like this amazing crazy yeah madness that's happening with these i don't know necromancers and stuff uh, yeah, i love that it was fun.
4: um and and then um I just read Six of Crows and Crooked Kingdom too, and, and I enjoyed um, that a lot as well. Yeah.
0: And then, and I, I would add to that too is we watch a lot of TV mm-hmm. in in our house. Uh, we I consume like a lot of Universe media. Is one
4: of the best cartoons. <laughs> yeah,
0: and I I would say Steven Universe hands down is our jam. It is so I mean especially later seasons when um oh, what's the character's name just float in my head um Savani the shapeshifter um, that no, the shapeshifter, the green one that, Oh no, I'm thinking of She-Ra. I'm sorry. Yeah. Sorry. I I (laughs) mixed them up. Yeah. Double trouble. That's what I was thinking of double trouble, but I was thinking of uh, um, Steven universe, but I love Steven universe, but She-Ra, that double trouble character was just, yeah, it was just, it was amazing. So I, I don't know. We, we try to watch things that are, and, and you know, and there's some stuff that we were nostalgic for, That we stopped watching. We we at some point we actually put on Friends because we were like
4: Friends, and we watched five minutes, and I was like, turn it off. It was like four
0: gay jokes in the in the first five minutes. I was like, well, no, we're done. So you know, it's some of the stuff we were we're nostalgic for that we want to share with the kids doesn't hold up Mm -hmm. anymore, um, and won't Mm -hmm. really fit, you know. So
4: if they want to watch it when they're older, fine, but I'm not going to introduce them to that.
0: But we watched Doctor Who um and you know stuff like that and um and all the other things i was saying too just because of just about people being people and trying to treat people right you know
2: what has it been like to see zo see himself in some of these books have you seen Mm -hmm. like a openness happen or like more coming out of his shell
4: yeah um which boy was the first graphic novel that um we got that had like a I haven't actually read the the thing but I, I I'm it's like a gender non-conforming kind of character and because because they want to do something that boys aren't meant to do um in the book so Zoe has read that book so many times the cover's fallen off he has all three in the series <laughs> um I took him to a, a gender spectrum like camp um I guess it was in 2019. And he's super shy. So um, he had a really hard time when like it was time for him to just be with the kids and I was supposed to go do other things. Um, so I had said, well, bring some books. You can like read books. And he made a friend with um, one of the counselors and um, they like sat with him while he read books most of the day. And then he was like, they were so cool. Like they were the cool. And I was like, okay, well, didn't make any kid friends but you made a <laughs> friend with a 20 year old that sounds about, right. Yeah, <laughs> like about right yeah but but um but yeah so so he definitely has seen himself like I know in that book and and it just it like it means so much to him and then he actually he has a lot of picture books that um strangely enough like before I had kids I like funded a kickstarter for uh <laughs> for, a book, for a book that was it was like what makes a family. And it was about like, what makes all these different kinds of families. And when the book got published, they sent the other books, like two other books that they had done. And one was called backwards day. And so when Zoe told me, you know, that he was a boy and was worried that like, it wasn't a thing. I I was like, I have this book. Like, that's so weird. (laughs) And I like, was like, here, read this book. It's like a, a, a cool story about a kid like you. And um he actually when he he had Rowan and two of her friends came over like a couple um, days uh, after this um and he hadn't got his haircut yet he was going to get his haircut the next day but he told them he goes hey i have this book and i want to, to to read it to you guys because it's like kind of like me and i'm like oh my god like what i'm like you know i'm in the kitchen there in the front yard and i'm like <laughs> watching through the window. Like, how are these kids going to react? Like I'm freaking out. And um, he read the book and one of the kids was like, Oh, that's cool. And, um, and, and the other kid was like, I don't get it. And he was like, you know, like, because like, they looked like a girl, but they were a boy inside. And so when backwards day happened, they became who they really were and stayed like that. And she was like, Oh, and, and that was that. And they like,
0: that I was, was like, pretty much all the conversation we had to have with those particular kids, too. Yeah, I mean,
4: I gave a heads up to the parents who were a little conservative. <laughs> I remember
0: that you're like, because it, <laughs> that's and that's funny. and that's the other problem with our the community we live in. You know, we don't we don't pick our kids' friends, but right. at the same time, I know most of the adults because of my job and being in this community and stuff, and I know most of our kids' friends are very. Very, very yeah. conservative.
4: Their parents.
0: Parents, What? I sorry. Yeah. Their their parents are very conservative. So these are conversations that were not easy by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And it's yeah. ongoing, to be fair. Right.
4: But anyway, so that went over pretty well.
2: <laughs> so before I ask the last question, I want to turn it over to Nick and Brent and see if they have any questions for Katie and Marshall.
1: This is always hard for me. Um, especially asking questions um, in regards to the LGBTQ community because sometimes I feel like I should be asking questions. Um, that's a me thing, not a you guys thing, just so everyone knows. I noticed in my own kids that sometimes they have confidence issues in themselves, just naturally being a kid. How do you guys decipher what is um, giving them anxiety in that moment. Is it self-confidence that they can or cannot do it in that moment? Or is it a self-confidence thing because of the crowd that they're involved with and, you know, how they identify and stuff like that.
0: Katie's so much better at the patience thing and talking things out. I would say when those moments come up, I would say, uh, But I, I, I'm going to just say, because I deal with kids all day, teenagers and stuff. A lot of that influence does come from the people they hang out with. And so some of the conversations me and Katie have are around that exact thing. Like we know the parents, what are the kids saying when we're not around kind of thing. And so we really got to kind of, and obviously COVID helped with that. But as far as the confidence thing goes, I, I worry about, and I told this on the last episode, I worry about zo's anxiety um and how timid he can be around asking for things and 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 stuff like that but i i try to remember that he came to us and told us this so the anxiety is not necessarily related to that it's it's just part of his personality do you know what i mean like it's part of how he's moving through the world now and make it better. Yeah, But I mean, I was a, I was a mess when I was his age, you know, as far as yeah. anxiety and stuff like that too. So it's like, and I, and I, and I met your kids, Nick, and I totally get it. And and I think I would yeah. make sure that, you know, the parents of the kids too, that's helpful and know what narrative yeah. is being told, being spoken about when adults are not around, you know what I mean?
4: With the confidence thing, I think Zoe, Zoe has anxiety, Um, but I don't, I don't feel like for him that's related to his confidence really at all. I think there's two separate things. He has anxiety about social situations or about performing well in a test or, you know, about sometimes about how he'll be perceived or, or what he'll have to do. But he has a lot of confidence in himself because, I mean, he knows who he is. He doesn't waver. He doesn't hide it um you know he's pretty super brave
0: yeah
4: um so and uh as far as like you were kind of asking about influ- if, it, if things are influenced by friends and things um we have like a pretty tight circle and i do know a lot of their close friends their families pretty well um with zoe we haven't had any friends who have been um, an issue as far as confidence or, or making them feel bad. We, a little bit with Roe, but you know, the, our kids are pretty good at. Um, I don't know. They, they, if some, if they don't like how someone's treating them, they, they leave.
0: Yeah, they're like you in that way. I, I kind yeah, of I tend to put up with people, and you're just like, yeah, fuck off. <laughs> yeah. So. If
4: somebody <laughs> is a piece of shit, they're cut off. I'm out. I'm done.
0: But I mean, I've dealt <laughs> with so much, so much bullshit and racism and homophobia and stuff my whole life. It's yeah. like, all right, well. I guess I have to work with you. So I think that's let's figure it out. I guess that's definitely
4: something I never, I never obviously had to deal with racism and I had the luxury of being able to say, fuck you. I don't (laughs) want you to be my friend, then get out of here. And I could still have, you know, my friends, but I still have, but I honestly only ever have like two
2: really good friends. (laughs) (laughs) Brent, did you have a question, a comment?
3: Yeah. So I got a little bit of both. Um, I guess just a comment. Um, yeah, like I said to you before, Marshall, and I can say it to you both. Um, that yeah, the, the the two of you just give me so much hope for the next generation of queer kids, and you know that they can have what a lot of us wish we had when we were kids. So that's 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 huge to me, and just yeah. I don't want to get chalked up again, so I'm going to move on to the question. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So.
2: It's okay to be emotional. I know, I know,
3: but I just know me. It's just like. All right, so do <laughs> so
2: cry. There's nothing wrong with crying, Brand. touch, okay? I make everyone cry on this show. Okay? Mary Robinette cried on the show. That's okay? true. Okay? This That's is, true. Will bully me until I cry. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, yeah.
3: No, I mean, it's true though. This is there's there's so many of us who wish we had parents who understood at an early age who we were, and. And didn't try to run from it. Like, I mean, I've never, I've never like confronted my parents about it. But there's always a part of me that's like a little angry with them because it's like you knew, you knew, and you, yeah. and and, and you, you didn't say anything. But um, but yeah. Anyway, so question. I'm sure Will's gonna drill me about that next episode. But um, <laughs> so.
2: Get ready. Yeah. So
3: <laughs> what about uh what about Zoe has made you the most proud so far about about him as a person? Because I'm thinking like at some point in the future he might be listening to this. So I think this would be a cool way to- Yeah. Uh most proud.
4: Um I think for me, what I am most proud of of him as a person is Um, Like he is the most loving, like dear, sweet, empathetic little person like ever. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He just he he he, I mean, he reads people he he he, but he understands and he's just like so full of love that that's that's what makes me so proud. And I, I really hope he holds on to that as he grows up and hopefully doesn't become super jaded. (laughs) <laughs> like, but i think i do think like you were saying brent about uh you know having hope for this generation of kids like this generation of kids too is so much better than the generation of kids that like i grew up with yeah. like they they've i think partially because they've grown up in a world where they see people loving each other for who they are and you know but you know we didn't have like kids get it kids don't have an issue with Zo for the most part yeah as we get as they get older i'm sure things more things will come up but kids just want to be kids and they and they love each other and and they've been super supportive i mean there was a 6-year-old correcting the bus driver for Zo <laughs> and then the bus driver comes to me and tells me i'm so glad that you know, so-and-so corrected me. And, and, you know, I just wanted to share with you, my 25 year old just came out as trans to me a week ago. And I wish they would have told me when they were seven and it's like, Holy crap. Like, okay. (laughs) Like, but it's like, you just, you meet through these kids, you, you know, you see uh, so much potential or I see so much potential for a better place.
0: Yeah. I, I I I think I'm most proud of Zoe's imagination and creativity and how proud he is of himself when he creates a thing. I know that he's going to create awesome shit down the line because yeah. he'll he made uh, he makes me like little coupons for Father's Day or for my birthday or something, you know, and he you know painstakingly draws the event so much of what we're going to be doing for that coupon like i will help with the dishes daddy and it's us doing the dishes together and it's like every single thing like he has such attention to detail with his creativity i just know he's gonna create awesome stuff and i and i'm just proud of seeing the imagination that i always had a crazy imagination um but just see his creativity already um and and not being afraid to do that even though he may not get up in front of an audience and perform something, but he'll show off something he drew um, and, you know, be so amped about it, you know? So that's, and, and, you know, and
4: he writes
0: comics and he write, yeah, he writes comics. He writes little stories. He, he, it's, it's, it's amazing. And, and that's, that's what I'm most proud of seeing him being able to be creative despite the anxiety and everything else he's dealing with. So. So for the last question,
2: I think, you know, we touched a lot upon narratives and like what it was like for Zoe. And I think a lot of this has been, um, sometimes when we talk about, uh, trans rights or trans kids, we always talk about the, the scary part of it, right? We always are like about, you know, the landmines that they have to navigate and what it was like for them. But this is the last question and it's kind of going along with what Brent asked. But what is the unique joy of raising a trans kid? Like, what is the joyful uh, aspect
0: of it that you just wouldn't get? Can I go you first? Know? Getting to fucking fight for him, like getting to stand up for him, but also being able within the same intention, bringing more support to what I already do every day in supporting children like getting to fight and being able to be like, and Kate does a better job of fighting than I do, but I still, you know, I start a little club and I support kids and I bring them into my classroom and stuff. But Kate will send angry emails to people tell tell my boss that they need to do these trainings and stuff like that. But seeing her fight makes me want to fight harder. Um, And, and being able to help make that journey easier because You know, everything I was called and how I was treated growing up and I was saying on the last episode, I don't want Zoe to deal with any of that, but if he does, I'm going to do a damn good job at fighting for him when he comes to me for help, because that was something that I didn't get. Not that my parents, like, like Brent was saying, you know, not that they didn't want to help me, but they just didn't really understand what I was going through because I probably didn't communicate it very well either. You know? Um, So that's, that's, that's my answer.
4: Yeah, I don't know. That's a hard question. Like the unique joy of raising Zoe. I think I. It's funny to Zoe being trans is like no big thing. Like it's like he doesn't. He doesn't think about it all the time. He doesn't. It's just p- who he is. And so I feel like, although there's a lot of other things that I do to like pave a smoother road for him uh, going through school and stuff like that, um, that's definitely not the joy of mine. (laughs) I don't really (laughs) wish I didn't have to do that. It should already be done, but anyhow, (laughs) that is, uh, something I will happily do. Um, but I think that the unique joy of it is just, you know, with both the kids that they're so they're just watching them. These tiny babies that we have grow up and they're, they have that personality that they're who they are and like who's always, it's not really ever changed. He's happier being who he is now, but he's still the same kid. He always was. And Mm -hmm. I think being able to, to see that, like, you know, I think a lot of times when, People ask me about, oh, isn't it? People, a lot of people say, isn't it so hard, you know, to have a trans kid? No, it's just as hard as having a, any kid. Like, a kid is a kid. Having kids are hard. You know, sure, there's <laughs> extra things to navigate, Amen. but like, but you're just, there's still, it, it, it's not really different. It doesn't, ha- and it shouldn't be. And, and so anyway, that's, I'm hoping that someday it won't be. It'll just be like, I don't know. That
2: wasn't a good, <laughs> that was, that was a good answer. That was a good answer. I think that's answer. a perfect answer. Okay. I think it's an honest answer. That's the honest answer is always the right answer. <laughs> well, I hope you both enjoyed being grilled <laughs> by me, <laughs> and Nick and Brent. And just I just you know just to reiterate what Brent said, I think I don't think you're going to know the impact you have on Zoe for ten or fifteen years down the road as zo navigates adulthood because i think especially for like me and i'm not going to speak for brent but just from what brent's told me um it there's so much unnecessary sadness that happened because my family my parents weren't accepting Mm -hmm. and had they been accepting i think there would have been a lot more lightness Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Early on. So I think you're going to see that down the road of how stable and grounded that can do for children who feel so sometimes radically different than people around them. So I just think thank you for being so honest and talking. And, you know, I hope you enjoyed this just as much as we (laughs) did. And I hope everyone listening like really just thinks about If you're writing trans characters, if you have questions, or, you know, I just hope this gave you a little bit more humanity on the subject that maybe you didn't have before.
0: And this has been Just Keep Writing, a podcast for writers, by writers, to keep you writing. You can find us at justkeepwriting.org. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Feel free to reach out to any of us on our social medias, and please jump in our Just Keep Writing Discord channel. Links to all of that is in the show notes. Lastly, please support our show by going to patreon.com slash justkeepwriting. We offer daily writing prompts, early access to podcast episodes, and much more. Thanks for listening, and just keep writing.